With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go from cricket text texts to a man who was a very handy left-arm slow bowler, or, you know, slow medium. Um, fine left foot, great footballer. David Choate joins us. Chody left arm over. You were pretty gnarly, weren't you? Backyard cricket doesn't count, does it? Uh, and to be fair, the kind of pitches we were playing on in the backyard uh, took turn. So, uh, yeah, always bowl slow on a, uh, a bobbly old grass track in the backyard on Christmas Day or Boxing Day. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. David Choate is with us to talk a number of footballing issues, including the All-Whites going down to Greece by two goals to nil. They now take on Ireland on Wednesday. Uh, the potential fallout and the domino effect of Everton's big uh, fine and also reset with the Wellington Phoenix around as they return to the A-League this coming weekend. Let's start with the top, the All-Whites. Um, social media was awash with very grumpy football fans that I could see. Now, I didn't see the game. Um, fans in the area didn't see it. It was behind closed doors. Such an oddity, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure the reasons exactly why. It was available, though. You watched it. What did you make of it? Yeah, international friendly, Daniel. Um, so it probably doesn't uh, hit the highlights. But, uh, look, I think uh, the first thing I would say is the All-Whites are getting games that they desperately need and games against good opposition. I've often been critical of the ability of uh, administrators to get the All-Whites playing decent games. Well, they've got a couple of good ones in this window. So that's a pat on the back for the administration. In terms of the on-field performance, a little bit underwhelming because this side has potential. Uh, potential is only that. Uh, when you go on the park, it's got to turn into action. And they weren't really at the races. Uh, defensively, they were so-so, and they couldn't really get in and going forward. Admittedly, against the Greek side, that's going not too bad in the Euros. They play France next, I think. They're ranked about 50 or 51 in the world. So you'd have to say the scoreline doesn't look too bad. But I'm not sure that uh, Darren Baisley will be that pleased with the performance. Okay, uh, the, the, this Greek, Greek side has you know players in the English Premier League smattered across some of the other uh, big leagues across Europe. So you always probably felt they were favourites, right, uh, David? Um, but was was there a big gulf between the two sides? Well, yes and no. Uh, at times, uh, the All-Whites matched the uh, the Greeks for, for football sort of through that back half of the field. Um, up front, there was, a, there was a clear gulf in, in difference. Chris Wood was sort of left alone up front, despite Darren Baisley suggesting they'd made some changes to get him more involved in the game. He was really peripheral. Um, and, uh, look, they did look to sling in a few more crosses, but they were fairly aimless and nothing really to give him anything to feed off. So I think, look, going forward, they weren't uh, anywhere near as good as the Greek side. But in saying that, I don't think the Greek side were, you know, out of their league. And, in fact... A better performance, um, they could have done better. Look, the first goal was a killer, an absolute howler um, from Michael Vaud. I think that's an issue for uh, the side to work out who is their best keeper, uh, because on that first goal, um, you'd be taking a, a sit on the pine, I would have thought, for the next game. Yeah, describe it to those who haven't seen it. Well, I've seen it called a shot, um, but that would be generous. <laughs> it was a cross-come shot. 
that sort of you often see in football curling towards the far post. Um, I, in defence of Michael Wout, he may have thought someone else was going to get a touch on it, but he stood rooted to his line, which is disastrous. And in the end, the ball just sort of sneaks in at the far post with a keeper scrambling after it to hide some embarrassment. It really was a keeper's shocker. Uh, it was a shot come cross, uh, and you 1-0 down sort of inside the first 20 minutes and chasing the game. Had that not gone in, perhaps the game might have sort of swung it in a different fashion because that sort of took uh, the air out, I think, of uh, the, the All-Whites performance, perhaps. Yeah, I always worry about the, the side at, with regard to the first goal, David. This sounds pretty you know, obvious. The first goal is really important, but it's even more so for this side uh, because I go back and I, I see a, a lack of an ability to score. Um, didn't score against Australia in their previous game. One goal against uh, Congo, uh, one goal against Qatar, one goal and a big loss to Sweden. Um, they, they must play with a little bit of dread that they don't have much rope. Yeah, 100%. The issue that the All-Whites face is chances are few and far between, and Chris Wood is sort of their their only sort of route to goal. Um, they do have players with ability, I think, at the likes of sort of McCowick, Greve, Wayne, all plying their trade in let's say, second tier, although in, in um, Green's case, it's a Mirren in the Scottish Premier League, um, McCowart in Denmark in the top league. So, you know, they're plying their trade in sides that are there or thereabouts. They must have ability to score goals, um, and I think that's the challenge for Darren Basie and his coaching side, is to, just to create more opportunities in that front third. But you're right, going a goal down, you don't feel like the Whites are about to whack two past them to uh, win the game. Could they have done better with the second? Uh, you look, the keeper uh, from, a, from a corner, perhaps defending the corner, uh, and honestly, I think it was Chris Wood who got out jump, which you don't see that often, beaten to a, uh, a headed ball. A smartish save, you'd have to say, um, that fell invitingly in the six-yard box, a, a toe-poke finish, one of those goals that you look back on and go, oh, I'm not sure you can do much about it, really, you've got to win the first header. So I wouldn't be uh, moaning too much about that one. But even at 1-0, you're only a goal away from pulling something back into it. Um, you'd have to think that the Whites have to develop some sort of threat going forward to make themselves um, just a little more sort of uh, attractive. A new coach looking to implement his own system. So tell us about the structure and the style of play he was at least trying to get his players to play. Yeah, mystery to me. Um, I was sort of thinking, I looked at the pre-match sort of interviews and the pre-match comments about trying to get more players forward. I didn't see that really. Defensively, they looked a little bit loose. I didn't think it was a very tight defensive display. So at this stage, you'd have to say the coaching wasn't obvious to me. Um, Selection is, is interesting as well. There's a few sort of players that are there or thereabouts who aren't getting runs at the moment. Um, he played a young central defender. Sorry, played the young uh, central defender um, Tyler Binden, um, which is fair enough. He's at Reading. He's 21, I think. Um, that's a, a big ask for a young centre back. Uh, he left out Tui Loma from the squad. He's got Michael Boxall there, who's probably the most experienced now, along with Tommy Smith. But both, you'd say past their prime. So defensively, they've got a few issues. I'm just not sure. I mean, a bit like the hire of the coach, it was all a bit mysterious. And at the moment, I'm finding uh, the style of play a little bit mysterious. Mm. Any individual shine? Um, I thought Joey Champness, when he got off the bench, did okay. He looked he looked lively, as he always does. He's a real sort of live wire, good speed, um, a bit of a dribbler. And on his day, he will come off. Um, you know, so you'd have to say he was he, he looked all right. Um, it was workmanlike. I thought the midfield sort of was a bit light. And 
look, a lot of these players are very young. I went through their ages. You're talking 21, 23, 24. Um, these guys aren't, aren't uh, very old at all. You'd think that the potential in this side is great because these players are now playing in leagues all around the world. Uh, and if you add the likes of Kikachi and Stamich, who are playing in very good sides, along with Chris Wood, you've got sort of three players there who should be able to help you lead yourself to a, a pretty successful period of football. So I think you can feel positive about the players, uh, but at the moment um, the side as a footballing outfit just isn't gelling. Right. And they got Ireland on Wednesday. I, I don't think they've played Ireland since 2019 when they uh, lost by three goals to one. Ireland, though, um, are having a tough time. Um, although they yep. bizarrely did the right thing against the Netherlands uh, over the weekend. They lost because bizarrely in the uh, the qualification for the European Cup, it actually made sense for them to lose. Go figure, because, you know, more teams finished above them, they could get into the playoffs. I think I've got that right. It's giving me a headache thinking about it, but uh, it's probably a good time to take on Ireland. Yeah, not too bad. And if uh, you want to point to anything in October, Ireland were beaten 2-0 by who else? But Greece. So uh, they're both off similar results. Greece um, in the same group as the Republic of Ireland. Um, what do, you, what do you hope for? I think you hope for a better performance. They will be together for a few more days, which, which makes uh, a, a difference, I'm sure. It'll be interesting to see where he goes in terms of selection. Um, I wouldn't be a surprise, as I've already mentioned, maybe to see a change in goal, um, and that will, will make some difference, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to it again. Back to my first comment, it's great to see the All-Whites playing sides who are yeah. Good footballing outfits and, and, and our test outs. We don't need to go into these games thinking, well, we have to win every match. But it's all about the performance for me and we've got to improve. So that's what we'll be looking for uh, come uh, it's Wednesday morning, I think, our time. Let's move on to the English Premier League. Huge news over the weekend. Um, uh, Everton have been handed a 10-point points deduction. That, that sees them drop to four points on the English Premier League alongside last place Burnley. Um, for financial irregularities, basically over the course of three years, I, I think they spent more than tw- around twenty million pounds more than they should have. Um, does the p- punishment fit the crime? Many people are asking that. It does seem quite str- um, quite harsh, doesn't it? I, I think some punishment needs to be handed down. Whether or not this is the right one, David, uh, I, I guess the debate will ring on. Yeah, there's lots of grey in this, and it's all about financial fair play and the the books and um, and how they look. You're not allowed to lose X amount of dollars and what what contributes to that loss. I think Everton are arguing a lot of money spent on infrastructure, their stadium, etc., has been sort of washed up into this financial fair play. So they're going to appeal it, but it looks a really harsh, harsh call. A 10-point um, loss of points puts them down, I think, second to bottom now and in the relegation fight because they were just getting themselves away from that. So disastrous in terms of uh, where they sit in this year's Premier League, but more scary, I think, for the likes of Man City, Chelsea and a few others who are sitting there watching this one going, hang on, we're being investigated under the same sort of regime. What's going to happen there? And the other side show, if you like, is what about the sides that were relegated, Daniel? I think Leicester have already indicated they're going to go and take uh, legal action if this thing holds up against Everton because they were relegated in the years that uh, allegedly Everton were misspending or playing outside the rules, but it's um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very, very interesting story. Lots more to run on this one. Yeah, and as I'd expect from you, Ralph, uh, Ralph you've hit all the big points, um, in, including the, the possibility of, of um, legal action from the likes of Burnley, 
Leeds United, Leicester City have been relegated in the past, and not just over one year, right? Because this financial uh, mismanagement was over a three-year period as well. So uh, a lot of clubs could come to the party. There's been uh, instances of this, not solely for this reason, but that dodgy West Ham deal with Tevez, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, uh, but I'd like to think, if you're, going, if, if you're a potential new owner of this club, because they are apparently looking to be bought by investment firm 777 Partners, wouldn't you possibly ponder backing out of the deal altogether if you're going to get sued the expletive out of? Exactly. Um, that deal, again, is now up in the air. So uh, this has ramifications wider than uh, just this season and just the sort of uh, league position. Uh, a big, big club like Everton are uh, under siege, but they will fight it and uh, no doubt the lawyers will get rich and uh, we'll wait on the sidelines for a story that's going to keep rolling on for some time. Yeah, Chelsea, as you pointed out, your club are under investigation by both the Premier League and FA over potential financial rule breaches by the club during the Roman Abramovich uh, ownership tenure. Uh, this was self-reported by the new ownership group uh, led by Todd Bowler, who I understand have 100 million quid set aside for any financial fine, which they I think they obviously felt it was going to be that, but you wonder if there's a points deduction there. But the big one is Manchester City with this ongoing investigation. I don't know how long this is going to take, Jody, and I don't know why it's taking so long. 115 charges. Could you imagine what yeah. the, the penalty could be there if all 115 are proven? Yeah, exactly. And um, that's why it's taking so long. There's 115 of those charges. I would say the financial... Um, books of a club like Man City would be complex and uh, dark, uh, dark as dark I would have thought um, the ownership structures um, and, and timings of some of these transactions look there's no question that uh, money flows through these big clubs um, where it all comes from, where it all goes and whether it's done within the rules of uh, the FA um, I would say would be dubious to say the least proving it might be a yeah. different story yeah. and, then, and then you get I'm sure uh, the lawyers come in and appeal. So these stories are just going to roll on and on. If you're worried at all, if there's any sort of inequity in the game, be sure there is. Um, the big clubs are the big clubs because they've got all the money and the little clubs uh, take what they can get. So you do feel for the likes of the Burnleys, the Leicesters, the Leeds who have had their moments in the Premier League but can't maintain it because they just don't have the wherewithal of the big boys. I would throw Everton in that mix. I'm sure there are lawyers... Um uh, <laughs> I'm sure Everton didn't want to engage their lawyers as much as Man City are engaging theirs on the matter, if you know what I mean, uh, David. Fascinating story. We'll follow these in the months, maybe years to come in the case of Man City. Uh, over the weekend, uh, the Wellington Phoenix women went down, sort of a, a bit of a body blow to an otherwise very good um, start to this season. It was a tight one, losing to the Central Coast Mariners. The Phoenix men, of course, are off because of the international break. Uh, when they return, they take on Melbourne City, a game I would think in past years, David, might fill them with a little bit of dread. Not surely the way they're going. Well, they look defensively sound, the men's side do. The women, just a nod to them, they're um, outperforming all the expectation, as are the men, but the women particularly, um, wooden spooners to uh, top of the table. That's a, a massive turnaround. They were second best on the weekend, and there's nothing wrong with that. They went down by just the odd goal, so um, it was a, a late goal of that, I think 70-something minutes in, so they... They uh, ran toe-to-toe with Central Coast for much of that match. Um, the men, the men again, a bit like the women, are overperforming. Um, defensively sound, 
um, going forward still, despite that big result against Brisbane, where they, where they banged in a few goals, they still look a bit light going forward, a bit like the Whites, but uh, at the back, they've looked very, very good. So, yeah, they'll go there with, I think, the same match plan, and that is to stay in the match. And that's all they'll look to do. And if they can pinch the odd one on the, on the break or get to the, their noses in front, they'll be hard to roll over. So the Phoenix have proved so far this season, very early days, to be a tough nut to crack. I know Oscar Zavada sort of embraced his inner Zlatan Ibrahimovic ahead of that uh, last game, uh, uh, the one-all draw against uh, Melbourne Victory. They, they need to get him some help, though. The lone wolf. You, you can't afford to, to rely on one bloke. Exactly. Uh, much like the Oites that I do with Chris Wood, um, it's, a, it's a lonely job up there, and he, he does particularly well with it. But again, who's going to join him in the tag? Like they've got the likes of Barbarousas, who I think is playing probably as well as he has for the Phoenix at any stage of his career at the moment. He's late in his career, but he probably doesn't have the, the pace or the legs, but he's still got plenty of sort of smart. Um, perhaps he could join in and uh, get involved in the attack. David Ball came off the bench to me last time out. Again, not a, a, a prolific goal scorer, but does have the ability to tuck the odd goal away and join the attack. Um, yeah, they are a little light up top. Uh, they knew that going into the season, and they'll have to sort of cope with what they've got. Um, Kryev need more out of probably him in terms of goals. So they've got the odd player who could get amongst it. Um, whether that requires a change in structure, um, Italiano has set his side up to be hard to beat, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if he's going to win games, he's going to need something going forward. This Phoenix side have got plenty of applause uh, in the opening part of the season. They will have to get better because all teams do over an A-leg season. Uh, Dave, appreciate your time. I really should have uh, called two to come with two questions to go. Um, but thank you for your time, mate. I uh, hope your recovery is going well, and we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Daniel. I'll get back into that backyard cricket. <laughs>